fellow girls, boys, and everyone in between. I'm Scarlett. I'm Roxy. And I'm Marjorie. And we are the Red Resistance Podcast. Before we get started, a little light housekeeping. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. It helps us get a little higher up on the podcast food chain, but also, we just really like to know how we're doing. Headpats make us very giddy. Also, please check out our Patreon. Patreon is essentially an online tip jar. You have the option of making a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustaining donor of varying tiers. There, you will have access to cut content, ridiculous outtakes from those days where our deviations are too precious to delete, and early episode releases. We know times are tough. They are for us, too. But if you're lucky enough to have a little to spare, throw some at us on Patreon. It helps keep the lights on and the Hulu subscription running. Find us on patreon.com slash the Red Resistance or search on Patreon for the Red Resistance podcast. We appreciate it so very much. Finally, be aware that there will be spoilers from the book, future episodes of the show, and potential tie-ins to the book's sequel, The Testaments. They are not detailed and serve to further the analysis of the show. It will be okay. I promise. So with that, grab the beverage of your choice and let us commence dissecting our favorite dystopian TV show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We are here to cover the back half of Season 5, Episode 8, Motherland. Speaking of mothers, June goes to visit Serena. Uh, Serena is relieved to see her. She gets some dirt on the new Bethlehem thing, which we find out, you know, was in the works for a while. And Serena is trying to pump June for, I don't know, the possibility of being like a a sponsor, an advocate. Do you know anybody? A lawyer? She's super desperate and she's barking up the wrong goddamn tree too. (laughs) But even before we get to that, Serena's first words, you came. It's the exact two words that she said when June came back to the barn Mm -hmm. to help save the day and not leave Serena high and dry. So of course, like straight away, they're setting the scene that Serena is expecting far more of June than June is ever going to give. Yeah. And I like that they had June show up just to get information on New Bethlehem. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, she's there. Mm. That was, and then I'm like, she's resourceful. She's like, I'm going to go straight to the source. Serena will know. Mm-hmm. I like it. And mm-hmm. Serena's going to talk to her, too, yep. because Serena doesn't have any cards to play right now. Mm-hmm. So she'll give up info. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she thinks that they're friends, apparently, just because June forgave her. But... She but, didn't. Yeah, June did. No, I did not. Nope, nope, nope. We have a bond. We've been through so much together. Oh, yeah, you sure as fuck have. Yep. Yes, we're very imprinted. We get it. June really lays a good scathing insult here, though. I turned to the other cheek. Turns out, after all of this, I'm a better Christian than you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is that the greatest line? <laughs> and Serena's face... It hits home. <laughs> it hits home, but she but Serena, like, it, it, she gets, like, 90% of the way there. <laughs> I thought she understood the jab. <laughs> she understood the jab, but, like, I don't think Serena really understood. I don't think she, like, no, I don't think it, like, hit her in her soul. Yeah. I think no. she was just like, oh, shit, you bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the shade hit her. Yeah. <laughs> the, the irony <laughs> hit her. <laughs> Oh, for Christ's sakes. She, June doesn't care. She doesn't have to care. No. She did what she needed to do to be humane and to make sure Serena and the baby were in a arguably safe place. Um, 
Why why the fuck does June have to shepherd Serena through anything? Like Serena mm. get lost already. And the remaining 10% that we were waiting for her to get, she gets it now. <laughs> because you know, when she says, how? How do you live in a house with a woman who is trying to steal your baby? Yes, June's fucking face. Do you know who the fuck you're talking oh, to right now? Oh, my so God. Great. But Are you seriously asking me that? I like, loved what it. A brilliant. And Serena takes it home. How did you ever live with me? Mm-hmm. And June fucking tells her, this is exactly how you do it. Here's what Mm -hmm. you're going to do. You're going to go back in there. You're going to act like a handmaid. But the entire time, you will be plotting against them and planning your revenge. Yes, Serena, that is what she did. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Look at what happened to Fred. And and look at you now. (laughs) I love that because that's shades of Larry. Larry said that to her first, and Mm -hmm. she's just taking what Larry said and throwing it back in Serena's face, which was very interesting as we talk about Larry and June kind of theoretically teaming up in this episode and like what their motives are um so i like that line in that sense um i forgot what i was gonna say i am lost in my notes i am trying very hard to find out where the fuck we are right now and look what happened to fred there we are right there did you find your way home Marge? yes um, I also really loved her body language. Like, the lines are great, but then, like, the way she delivers it to her, like, oh, that was just really, really, really she fun looks to watch. So pleased. So yeah. pleased. And it is just so pleasing to watch her be so pleased. Mm-hmm. So it was good. perfect. Oh, she basically, like, dusted her, like, she dusted off her shoulders as she walked away. It was so great. I, we had talked in the previous episode about how June finally had the closure that she needed. Uh, with Serena no no now she has the closure because she can show she has finally been able to show Serena that I did the right thing I'm gonna continue to do Mm -hmm. the right thing but I owe you fucking nothing it's Mm. and she can she walks away from this conversation a vindicated woman holding her head high it's, oh, it's so fucking good. No, she gets to say I did the right thing despite you yeah not because I'm your friend yes that was, uh, I just love Serena's face too when she expects her to um, to reciprocate. Like I, mm. I think it, she really thought since she showed up, like you were saying, that you came again. She's back. She's the one that'll come. Yeah. She finally thought she had a friend, and then she was like, oh, "She's my savior, my angel. She ain't shit for you, cupcake." Mm-mm. Yeah. The end of this conversation also makes June come to a realization about what is important to her. And when June gives this um, advice to her, listen to me, you cannot help your child if you're not with them. Well, I mean, as those words are coming out of her mouth, she knows what she has to do. Mm -hmm. I would go back. And she walks on out of there because now she's she has a mission like she has some direction. I feel like, you know, she made her mind up here and she's like, I'm going to figure out how to how to facilitate this. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. She's absolutely resolute. Mm-hmm. Serena, I've got my own kid to find. You can work out your own shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then she calls up uh, Joey Lawrence. <laughs> I feel like she, like, the way she said she was so resolute, she was resolute in walking out of there, and that's the, that transition felt like she just walked straight into his office. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's at the Gilead Propaganda Center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but see how I make everything work out for you? <sighs> oh. Ooh. Ooh, Larry. Larry, um, 
June owes you a couple, for sure, as she listed off previously, but we all know that she's a determined woman and uh, would have gotten shit done regardless, because bitches get shit done. Once again, another fucking man. Well, Larry, for the second time, telling her that you you can't really do anything without me or I have a good idea and you should, you know, do what we would do. Do what yeah. the men folk would do. Mm-hmm. We know better. Um, And this is also the conversation where Larry pretty much lays bare everything that weighs on his shoulders and we also see how yet he also misses the point. Mm-hmm. He is trying to tell her why this is not going to be like that bad. Like, you know, you could go there. You could be with her, June. Wouldn't that make you happy? And she's like, um, no, <laughs> when she's being raped by an old man twice mm-hmm. her age. What is OK about this, Larry? Like, I don't care if it's under the context of Gilead. He's offering her a non-option here. Yeah. Also, that's incredibly optimistic of June to say a man twice Hannah's age. We know Hannah's 12. Mm. So they're going to... I know. I was thinking that too. I'm like, so are we assuming they're only going to marry a 12-year-old to a young eligible man? Like, We know with Esther that that's not even remotely the case. Right. Right. Mm. So, but one could could suppose that a mother trying to cope with that reality, you're taking the potential best case scenario in your brain of like at least my child will get raped by a 24 year old commander instead of a 56 year old commander yeah oh and then and then larry's response of gilead's gonna gilead yeah <laughs> buddy that is that is i know, not going to I know. Her. he was misstepping there i was like what is happening he was doing so good with his proposal mm-hmm. and then this it was really off in a couple ways but um we skipped over the part that drove me crazy because I had issues. Like, I didn't love him being like, see, look what I did. See what I can do for you. But, like, I did just kind of, like, chalk it up to, like, he's trying to convince her to get on his team. Um, but I hated the next line when he said, when she said, Luke doesn't trust you. And he says, but you do. What can I do to persuade the reluctant husband? And it's like this, again, like, Luke had said it several times. I'm not going to let you. You're letting your emotions. Da, 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 da. Like, it's, that verbiage has been there throughout this episode. So then for Lawrence to then turn around and be like, okay, uh, let what do I need to do to go convince the, like, it's just like, let's have the two men talk to each other. It's gross. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it, that just rubbed me the wrong way so mm-hmm. badly when he was like, all right, what do I got to do to convince your husband to let you come play? Like, Really? You got to convince her husband to let her. Like, I hated it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I hadn't thought of it like that. What a surprise. (laughs) Um, I saw it as Lawrence at least respecting that June and Luke are a package deal. And he would need to convince Luke to make June comfortable. Or or if he can convince Luke of the idea, then he will get June more wittingly. It can be both. It can be both. But it's probably more likely Marjorie's interpretation of it because, you know, Gilead's going to Gilead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Apparently he was just tripping over himself as he continued on throughout yeah. the statements. Um, yeah, because then he says to, yeah, Larry, man, he was, everything he said was really interesting. He says, um, she asks for, we don't know anything about her life. We don't know where she is. We've got nothing. <clears throat> and he says, I'll see what I can wrestle up. That's infuriating to me because he's not being transparent with her. He mm-hmm. does, he knows way more than he's letting on. So, like, that rustling up, we'll get to it later, but I have really, like, a lot of questions if he's the one that sent that video. Mm-hmm. Um, but that rustling up is what makes me think it probably was him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's irritating because like he was just having dinner with her parents like we like you know her Gilead parents yeah. um yeah. but so he knows a lot of information and so it did, that was frustrating um and then he says <clears throat> she says stop them from marrying Hannah and he says, I think that's out of my hands. And I was like, testaments, mm-hmm. because we know whose hands that's in. It's Lydia's hands. Yeah, and right. we're seeing this Lydia and Larry pairing. And it, it does make me feel like that could be like Judd-esque, mm-hmm. you know, yes. if they're going to pair up together. And so, yeah, like if Lydia doesn't have that power now mm-hmm. to control mm-hmm. who's getting married, um, I think she's going to start. We're going to start seeing her maneuver in that direction, which is cool. fun. Yeah. Well, and June finally gets the opportunity to say point blank to Larry what she thinks of him and his scheme. Fuck you. Fuck you. All the girls and women raped, tortured, abused in a world you created, you sick fuck. I love that. She always holds the mirror up to him. Yeah. And it, he always, it, it's effective when she does. It is, yeah. He was teary-eyed. Mm-hmm. We don't really get Lawrence teary-eyed ever. Um, he says, you think I don't know. You think I don't know the misery I've caused. You think I'm unaware. I was trying to save humanity. I did. I fucking did it. And I got away. It went septic. And he goes on and on. And I feel like this is uh, probably the closest thing to a real conversation these have with somebody. Um, yeah. Maybe since Eleanor. Yeah. This is some deep shit. Right. He's probably had to say the same things to Eleanor in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I take it all back so I wouldn't have Gilead on my conscience. And he talks, and then, but then he also starts to rationalize it again. Like he's so close to getting there, but then he, but then he starts to rationalize New uh, New Bethlehem again. And like countries can get better. They modernize and in five to 10 years and like, it'll be a nicer, a, a nicer autocracy, a place that doesn't trample on human rights. Larry, we've gone from desc- uh, from describing Gilead to describing a utopia. It's so I- it is so idealistic, and that's yeah. what got him into this situation in the first place. Yeah, he is a dreamer. That one for all of like you know his numbers and shit. I'm just gonna say it might be pragmatic. Mm. The more I thought about it, because I agree. At first, I was like, "What the fuck?" But then, I'm he might not be wrong in the sense that like how I'm just trying to think of how else you undo Gilead the way he wants to. Mm-hmm. Like we know by the end of this episode that there's some military action happening. So that's one way to do it. Um, we know from the Testaments that it's kind of like an inside job. And I think that I feel like he's just he's he thought about this a lot, obviously, like, you know, this was his plan. He he knows it's on his conscience. And it might just be a pragmatic way of looking at it of how else do you undo this without pure chaos? Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm just trying to think of what it would look like if Larry had the power to turn around and and enact whatever he wanted to mm-hmm. and take back. You know what I mean? How does that happen? It, it, it would be chaos. Yeah. And I think this is his probably very pragmatic and logical way of how he undoes the mess he's in. Mm -hmm. The frustration is he's, you know, she says in the next line, you know, he says, um, she says Hannah's going to be a child bride. And his response is, but Nicole will not. And for us, it's like, well, that's not a good enough answer. But to him, he's like, but this is how we can fix it. 
I just think it's pragmatic. That, that, it, that's what made me think it could be pragmatic instead of. Well, it's it, he's looking at the reality of the situation. Yeah. It's, I mean, he even he says basically what you said. It's a place where we wrestle a better future out of an unchangeable past. Mm-hmm. So he's acknowledging that, like, I can't do shit about what happened before, but this is how I'm going to try to make it better. But it's never good enough. Everything that Luke has offered up to her so far has not been good enough. Saying, well, one of your kids is going to get raped, but the other one isn't. Mm. Not fucking good enough. Twello, what he's offered up, also not good enough. You know, a thing that occurred to me about the Twello thing is that they're talking about this military action and he was so vague about it. The last time that they talked, how is she supposed to know that that military action isn't going to, you know, result in her, like, captive child's demise? Like, that would scare me. If there's going to be a military action, well, what the fuck do you mean? Oh, but now you're not going to tell me? Great, my kid's over there. I still can't do anything. All signs are pointing to June needs to just say, fuck all of you guys. You don't Mm -hmm. have any good ideas. And I, I have to go get her myself yeah mm-hmm. no i completely agree with you that yeah. was that that military raid thing of like yeah how do you because so many people i mean we can talk about the implications at the end of the episode but like obviously people are going to die and i'm just yeah. wondering how many people a from the show are going to die and b um just like that june knows or cares about or that like she just knows both sides of it so well and i thought that was an interesting reaction and we didn't talk about it because luke is really excited in that moment, because this is huge news for him. That's big movement in all the seven years. And we did get finally a timeline, too. Mm-hmm. Um, our calculations are right. Seven yes. years. Mm-hmm. Um, but in seven years, he hasn't seen something like this. No, you know, right. this is what he's been desperate for is take this military and get in there and get my family, get mm-hmm. anyone else's family. Like, what are we waiting for? Mm-hmm. So now he's finally getting some action. and He reacts like this is, you know, big, exciting news. And June's face is a lot more of like, well, wait a second here, because, yeah, she's got a child over there. So, like, military action shouldn't be like that exciting yeah. news when you're trying to get your kid out mm-hmm. right because how does that solve anything it's still it's worrisome into yeah. it. it is worrisome it's just another layer yeah. of worry especially someone who's already survived a military strike yeah um yeah. When she was in, when she was in the ruins of Chicago, and right. lost Janine during it, right. exactly. She's already experienced yeah. this. It's, you know, it's kind of like little boys thinking war is cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. War is not that fucking great when you're sitting in it. And right. She knows that she's been right. in it. Yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. I know we don't. We try not to get hung up on light theory or anything like that. But there was a really strong visual moment in the scene with June and Larry sitting across from each other at the board table, and. You have the lamp between them at the very mm-hmm. end, and behind June was a well-lit row of, uh, of lights and a window that was well-lit, and behind Larry was darkness. But also behind Larry was the emergency exit sign, oh. just glowing, vibrant red in this sea of black behind him. I did notice that, but I didn't think about it at oh, all. Oh, man. I didn't even notice it. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> Cool. <laughs> yeah, Larry's, Larry's trying to offer her an emergency exit to, uh, to basically, uh, to basically reunite with Hannah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it is, it would be dire and trepidatious to walk down that alleyway. Um, oh, that's cool. Also, in that that same, uh, like exact same moment, there's the um, that light that's between mm-hmm. them, like the um, table lamp. Yeah. The actual table lamp, like it looked like it was like clear glass, and it just was fine. The reflection of the table. I noticed uh, that too. It had red in it. Yeah. Where was that red reflecting from? I don't know. Maybe it was the exit sign. I don't know. I thought <laughs> it was very cool. Uh, very cool, though. I caught that, too. There was weird visuals happening on the table. Yes. And I was like, that is excellent, but I I am on a time crunch here. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it harkened back to me, um, the song that June was singing to Nicole that she used yeah. to sing to Hannah about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, uh, let Me Be Your Mirror. Um, 
is this light that should just be casting light on June and Larry as they're talking is actually reflecting something evil. Huh. Cool. That's really cool. Oh, I got to go, go back, back and check look that up. That's awesome. What I would like to talk about is a season three thing, um, when Eleanor died. Mm-hmm. Because we had talked about it a little bit, and at one point I had referenced it, and I was like, oh, Eleanor dying. And then I'm like, uh, June killed her, if I recall correctly. I'm like, oh, that was debatable. And we talked about that for a while in that mm-hmm. scene. And then we talked about whether or not Larry knew. And there's that weird, weird interaction where they, like, they're looking at each other, and she's all dressed in black. Obviously, it's funeral garb, Mm -hmm. but, like, we just felt like she was very angel of death, and we were concerned for her her humanity in that moment. And we were trying to figure out if Larry knew and if he was going to retaliate. And, like, there was a lot—we talked a lot about that interaction and that scene. And when he said— it's either that—so uh, let me get a little more context with this quote. It's either that or kill myself, like Eleanor. Yeah. yeah, one or the other. And then the look he gives her, I mean, to me, I was like, oh, he knows. He knows she didn't kill herself or she attempted to kill herself. I just feel like he knew absolutely everything that we were wondering, whether or not um, he was aware of June's involvement. And I feel like that look said, confirmed it for me, but I was curious to see what you thought, but— then you said you wanted to move on. So that's why I got that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I didn't I know. really. I have to go back and look. I, I would have to. I'd have to go back and look. I just. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm going to agree with Marjorie on this because mm-hmm. the look that he gave there, it didn't seem like there was anger. It seemed like it was that sort of like the, the look and the expectant look that Larry often gives when he's waiting for the other person mm. to give up information of just like. Uh Uh-huh. Like the kind of vacant look of just like, and now it's your turn to say the thing. Mm, It's your turn to say that you may not have directly killed my wife, but you didn't get us when she, when you knew that she had overdosed. So, you know, this is a good time for that. Yeah. Um, She gives him nothing. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Yeah. And I feel like it kind of works in the scene, too, because he... um, he was misstepping, you know, he was failing and his like convincing of June to come over. So then like, I felt like that was his last ditch attempt to be like, hey, remember when you helped my wife die? I'm really still upset about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, remember, I'm still mourning her. Yeah. I'd, get it, I'd say it every chance I get. Mm-hmm. But if anything, that would make June trust him less if she understood, which of course she does. But hey, you want to you want to come here and help me uh, help me fix Gilead? By the way, I know you killed my wife. No, I think he, like, because they put him in the same boat of, like, I don't think he, because I don't think he saw it. <laughs> we we hashed it out a lot. And then we did. When that uh, episode, but I don't think he took it so much as, like, he was mad about it. Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of understood why she did what she had to do. But now yeah. they're, they're forever linked in the way that Serena thinks that she's forever linked with June. And yeah. it's a good thing. But, yeah, they're forever linked, too. But it's not necessarily a bad thing, Larry and June, in this mm-hmm. situation. I think mm-hmm. it was more of just like, hey, remember when you were in my house and we had to, like, do all these things? We've seen a lot of shit go down. You and I. So, yeah. like, trust me, because, you know, like, it, it, I just feel like it It harkened back to a lot of unsaid things that they have experienced. Because mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of conversations. Like, remember oh. at the end of season three when she leaves and they kind of, like, wrap it up with a handshake? And we're like, I hope that's not the end of them because they're yeah. so cool. But, like, mm-hmm. that, that was so much in that handshake that they had never even said through any of the season. Mm-hmm. It was just through looks. So, oh, cool. Indeed. Now we can move on. I'm all set if you'd like to. Are you sure? I mean, June's moving on, too, because uh, she's night gardening again. 
That is a thing. I am also a weirdo, and I do that occasionally because I don't get up early to do anything. That's not ever fucking happening. So, I mean, sometimes nighttime it is. Yeah. I don't recommend putting a headlamp on, though. Um, until like after it gets cooler because those Japanese beetles will totally bounce oh. off your forehead. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah. Hard lesson learned. Was she burying the gun again? <laughs> I don't know. It was um really dark. <laughs> My screener, I guess. That or was and I, I just I couldn't she really was, see anything. I didn't think she was burying the gun. I didn't see it, so it could be wrong. Um hmm. but it didn't look too hard because my I just assumed that it was a I was very hung up on the Eleanor statement and the transition is straight into June in the dirt. And so that's just an image that brings me back to Eleanor because they um, it's at Larry's house where she where June buries the handmaid, not with Eleanor's help. Um, But Eleanor's always out in the garden. Remember, Eleanor, like. Yeah. plants the flowers above the uh, above the handmaid yeah. um, afterwards. So like it just brought me back to like that imagery. Um, but then it also made me think that we were right about it's June just kind of trying to get her head right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of her place like because I'm not a gardener, but I thought it was a little unique that she was out in the middle of the night gardening and I felt like it was just her trying to be like, let me just kind of process this anyway. Kind of. Yeah. Um, there's a voiceover, and uh, it's June. She says, Hannah, are you sleeping? Are you looking at the sky? Then you're looking at the same moon I am. Wherever you are, no matter how far, we share the same moon. They can't take us take that away from us. Isn't there moon stuff in the Testaments specifically about looking at the moon? Mm-hmm. I haven't got—I'm doing my, my reread right now. And I can't remember where it's at. I know I'm not to it, but I feel like we've talked about this before. I feel like it, too, and I'm not sure. I definitely didn't have time to, like, go looking. Um, But something in me was telling me, like, this is definitely something that was either Testaments Mm -hmm. or we've seen it on the show. Like, and I really wanted to go hunt around for it. Um, But then I also was worried that I might be wasting a lot of time to do that because it's such a, like, I feel like it's a pretty, like, general notion of like hmm. we're looking at the same moon so yeah, I'm like yeah. I might have heard that anywhere so I need to move yeah. on so, but I do think it was in the testaments okay. I think it was in the testaments as well not entirely sure um I've driven a lot of the testaments out of my mind um can't wait to rehash it though really looking forward to that in the off season um it'll be okay I promise um, I hope so it wasn't as awful as I thought <laughs> <laughs> I might just re-listen to our book club series about it <laughs> There you go. But, um, I'm not entirely sure, but because, uh, you know, I am, because I am of the age that I am, what popped into my head was uh, Fievel in America. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh my sure. God. So that's why I was like, am I just getting confused? Nope. Just to like somewhere out there in, the, yeah. in my yes. brain and like, Aww. she's just looking up at the same night sky as her daughter. And yeah, I was half expecting a montage sequence at that okay. point, but I'm really mice. glad that they didn't go there. <laughs> it would have been a little too schmaltzy. If, if a mouse just ran across the garden bed, it would be perfect. <laughs> that I'd be like, oh, they brought it home for me. That would have been a nice homage for that sure. That fucked me up. I used to, I was so afraid when I was little that if when we went to the beach, if I got washed out by the undertow, that I would end up like five somehow. Oh. I, that was a very real fear for me. There was like a whole year I didn't go in the water because I was like, oh. I don't know, I'm going to end oh, up like five old. Scarlet. Yeah, oh. it fucked me up. Good movie, though. I'd watch it again. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but Luke and uh, Luke and June get to watch a whole nother kind of movie because she's received a package. And wouldn't you know it? It's a video. It's proof of life. It's what June had specifically asked for. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wonder who could have sent that. I think, Marjorie, I think you're right. I mean, who else would send it right on the heels of her asking for that proof of life? I know. It just, any other theories? Yeah, no, it's got to be him. Nope. 
So in this video, we get to see Hannah dressed in dressed in the school purple, um, walking in a hallway. And uh, we see that this is filmed at the Ross Humanities and Social Sciences building. First off, can we talk about the irony of having a bunch of little girls learn how to be wives at a humanities and social sciences building? You know what I was wondering? What are you wondering? Because I was going to look this up, right? Uh -huh. And then, you know, I didn't have time. But then I was thinking, like, you know what? I'm not going to bother because those are words. We don't have words in Gilead. So what if this is a thing that's going to get scrubbed and it's not going to show up in the final airing? But there's no notes. So I'm thinking they're going to oh, leave it there. Oh, that's a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> that's funny. Well, So where is the Ross Social Sciences? The Ross Humanities and Social Sciences Building is part of York University's Keel Campus um, in northwest Toronto. So I'm thinking that hmm, off of that theory, they okay. might scrub it simply because it's abundantly ah, clear that, it, filmed, or that it was filmed in Toronto. All you have okay. to do is a quick Google search. Hmm. Um, but um, the uh, Ross Humanities Building is renowned as one of the most clear examples of brutalist architecture. Hmm. Um, so are you too familiar with brutalist architecture? Yes. <sighs> All right. So love that you... I know that, Marjorie, a brutalist architecture is basically... Um, um, I. Please correct me if I'm wrong on this, Scarlett, but I believe it's a um, a architecture style that was originated back in the 40s that included lots of 90 degree angles, lots of concrete and mm -hmm. um, exposed steel beams. And it's been basically meant to evoke a very cold and austere style okay. um, or like it's supposed brutal. to just look brutal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, so it's um, it's definitely one of the most clear um, cut examples of brutalist architecture that um, is in or is in eastern Canada for sure. So even if they do scrub it out, it's a very recognizable mm -hmm. architectural building. Interesting, because cool. I don't I only learned that brutalist was a way to describe architecture when she did it in an episode that you were not in. Oh, it was and for I was something like, else. I can't remember sorry. what it was. I was like, oh, it does look kind of brutal. And then she, I was like, wait, is that a real thing? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, yes. don't know anything about that. I can't remember what um what building it was that I was referring to, but I know I like, I was like, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's all I have. But yeah, so episode one or two. One would imagine that they will scrub those words out, though, simply because like, it very clearly is like they're not shipping all these kids up to Toronto to te <laughs> uh, for, to be at this school. That would be sus. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's almost certainly going to get scrubbed. But if it doesn't, that's where it is. That's cool. cool. This uh, DVD just kind of uh, kind of breaks them. And June is like, I got to go. I have to go. We have to go be wherever she is. We have to go before something worse happens. And Luke says he wants that, but I can't let you go. And he does speak some sense here. He says, who's to say the second you cross that border, they don't put you on the wall? And that is an excellent point. Like, yeah. I'm also skeptical about their safety, especially June's. Like, she is quite a catch for Gilead. She stole their kids. I can't see them just letting her back in. Like, she's a liability and she still has this fucking ear tag. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just asking to get picked up the second she sets foot in Gilead. Right. Um, like, she's at a loss about what to do, but she wants to know what Luke is going to do. And, he, you know, here ensues some of the harshest words we've seen, we've heard them say to each other in this whole series. And because she, she says, what are you going to do? You're just going to do what you've done for the last seven years? Nothing. She goes and says the thing that we've all been thinking about, but then we feel bad for thinking about it. Or maybe some days we don't. <clears throat> but she says it, and she apologizes. But the damage is done. It is. It is. 
But at the end of all this, and this really got under my skin, is when he says to her, we're never going to be enough for you, are we? I know. That wasn't fair. How how are any of you going to be enough mm-hmm. for her? Why is this enough for you, Luke? Like, yeah. yeah, no fucking shit. I don't understand why you're struggling with the fact that June at least... That June will never be whole as long as she knows her kid is a few hundred miles away, coming of age in a place where children can be mothers. Like, I know that you struggle with that, Luke, but, like, it's not a matter of enough. What a weird thing to say. Enough to keep her there. I hear what he's saying. Yeah. Because I think he sees the other side of it, of he thought he lost them both to Gilead. Mm -hmm. Totally understandable. And then June came out. Yeah. And for him, I think he's saying, if I never get Hannah back— you getting out is okay. That is enough for me because I think he even says something to the to her like that when she's like, "I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't bring her back." Yeah, and, and yes. he kind of says, "You know, you being here is enough." And so I think what he's saying to her, like, it's, I don't think it's fair. I didn't like this. Like, it, if I was June, I wouldn't have felt good ha- having him say that. Mm. Um, but I understand where he's coming yeah. from mm-hmm. in terms of I just think he feels like it doesn't matter how happy. She is with him and Nicole. She will they they will never be enough. And I think that statement is true. Mm -hmm. And there it is. So he said it out loud. But I think they all agree. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're never going to be enough because she's not going to be able to go hold Nicole and think about the child that she can't hold and not know if she's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was a harsh thing for him to say, for sure. And probably was driven by the fact that she um in a pre or very that, that that sentiment is coming very fast on the heels of like what are you gonna do like the same thing you've been doing for the last seven yeah. years nothing like they're both spitting venom right yeah. now they are it's definitely i don't know it's just one of those things i mean you're together with somebody long enough you're just you're not gonna say nice things to each other and that's what it, i love especially about it. like a high yeah, yeah it's a high mm-hmm. stress situation I mean, you notice how they came together at the end and that's she still what, cried yes. into his neck yeah. like we just still this said is... shitty asshole things to each other we're in this terrible mm-hmm. situation, but you're still going to be the person I'm going to hang on to and, like, cry. And then we're going to move on with our lives and maybe be able to accomplish what we need to do. Yeah. And she has a breakdown and says and echoes the same sentiments that she echoed when she was in the boat mm. and they first see each other um, well, when she's in Canada is, I left her. I, I'm sorry. I don't have her. I abandoned her. I abandoned. I abandoned her. I left yep. her behind. I have to go back for her. I have to. I left my baby. This is going back to the very first conversation that the, uh, that they have had in pre- in present day of just I'm sorry. I don't have her because I think and we had talked about this in that episode. June equates that Luke is only going to be happy with her if she's brought if she's brought Hannah back, mm-hmm. and for Luke to say we're never going to be enough for you is sort of his way of saying like, I, I understand. I want her back too, but better in the absence of best. And that just doesn't work when it's your kid, buddy. But it's his kid too. No, but it's his kid too. But how is that's why I don't understand. But I don't understand how you come. Like I don't understand how they're coming to like these two different conclusions. You know what I mean? It's just I totally understand where June is coming from in this, and I would be looking at him like, "What fucking planet are you on? This is so clear. And why aren't you listening to me? And you know what we need to do? Seven years. Yeah, that's why because he's had seven years of hitting his head up against a brick wall and trying to do everything he can and. Even the most tenacious of person uh, people are there. You can maintain hope, but to get any sort of headway whatsoever and to get June back after 
well, let's presume six and a half years because we know Serena's pregnant at this point to get June back after six and a half years. I mean, there's only so much fight that a person has. And like, is it the same sort of fight that June has? No, but she's only six months removed from this as far as like a hypothetical True. timeline, whereas he's seven years removed, uh, removed from it. And he obviously still misses his child. He obviously is still enraged yeah. that she is there, but he's probably just hit his head against the wall so many times that he's like, like, I, I I can't understand the feeling because I don't have kids and I've never been separated from like, from my hypothetical non-existent kids. But I can see why these two are talking past each other because it's still very fresh and very raw for June. Whereas for Luke, he he thought they were dead. So just knowing that she's alive is probably progress for him and being like, you know what, right. I, ca I can't have her, but at least she's not dead like I thought she was for the last or for five of the last seven years. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you reconcile that, though. Can we go back just a little bit? Because no. I completely agree with you. <laughs> I do. I'm going to and tell you I completely agree with you that I thought their, their fighting was just so real. That yeah. was that's how a married couple fights like there there was bluntness there wasn't a whole lot of filter there were real things coming out that I think they hadn't said to each other yet and it came out in the heat of the moment moment and I just love that it did end with her being really genuine of like I think that is at the end of the day that's just on her soul and for her to finally just say it out loud and for that to end embracing did feel really good um but I don't I totally disagree with you with like just I, I do get how him, I get how he could not want June or himself or Nicole to ever cross over that border again, period, the end. It's just crazy unsafe in a way that's like, you can say like, yeah, but that's his, your child. Don't you want anything? Like I, you could, everything that June's saying, I agree with. So if you look at it and flip it around on Luke and say, how could you not feel the same way? But I just think it's entirely logical and true to him and all of his experiences that it's way more terrifying to it's like a suicide mission it really does feel that unsafe for her to go to new bethlehem it's oh, exactly definitely. what you were said so i feel like it's still very very i can just i don't know if it's logical or lack of emotion or just i just understand why he would say we are still going to be way more effective on this side of the border than we're going to be on uh, dead on the wall you know what, how we, so we're all going to be together on the wall? Is that how we reunite? Like, and I get that mm. that sentiment of like, no, I understand. Like, because I think he does try to understand, and I think by the end of the scene, he fully understands June's desperation to get back. Of she abandoned her child, and then it brings me back to the whole thing of Serena and this baby and this attachment parenting that we've been talking about. Is like, that's my that's I understand June's plate to my core because that's my parenting philosophy is like like that's just who I am as a parent that's always how it would be if I tell my kid I am not going to leave you I'm not going to leave you even if her father says this doesn't make sense we got to leave I don't care I don't care none of that logic matters to me anymore I told my kid I wasn't going to leave her and I abandoned her that, that every time I watch that scene it just I cannot not cry through that whole scene because it just hits me as a parent so I don't know it doesn't mean that I don't think that Luke isn't a valid parent for not feeling that way. I just feel like maybe it's just different, different 
people, you know, in that situation. But I could understand both of it. I wasn't really that mad at Luke. I just was very much more understanding and would be June in that situation. I'm on the same team as you. Do you realize that? <laughs> no. So that's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am. No, I totally, I'm like, yeah, no, Luke is definitely, he was speaking some fucking sense here. Like, I totally get it. But what she's trying to show them, again, mirror girl over here, <laughs> is that everything you motherfuckers offer up doesn't work or just isn't good enough. So I understand her compulsion to be like, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go I'm going to go do this thing that seems like the surest bet because it's always worked for me in the past. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Then we're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very sad for Luke. I had, to, I had to go to bat for Luke for a second, but I just didn't understand what you were saying, I guess. No. I think I was still trying to find my notes. I was like, where are we? I have so much to say. Marjorie's lost again. <laughs> I got to figure out this better note taking this situation. <sighs> Now we can move on to these knuckleheads if you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> sure, let's hang, let's hang out with Tweedledee and Tweedledum for a minute. <laughs> the only thing I took away from this whole conversation was how Larry says uh, both of the women that he loves could be on this island with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure that'll work out okay. Well, like, we could just put Nick above June's garage with his wife. It's fine. It's fine. It'll just, you know, we'll recreate history. Well, we're talking about... Luke and his wife and I mean we're talking about Luke and June coming back too like yeah. like Larry's trying to sell this for both sides like yeah. mm-hmm. how can I weird. convince your husband and then he's turning around to Nick and being like so everyone will be happy what family you, you can just live down yeah. the block your, your, your kids are siblings your siblings will be whatever he says your child will have a sibling well, uh, that for me was the big takeaway here like we're getting confirmation on the belly rub from pre- that previous episode that yes June oh, yeah. and, Rose is pregnant. Yeah. Um, Because you like, I can see you and Rose here pushing a a stroller with Junior. Yeah, Junior, huh? Baby could have a sibling. Yeah, we'll just put them, we'll put both houses at the end of a cul-de-sac. It'll be great. Let's do it. Sure, fuck it. That's why I what? said this is, show's turning into a commercial for polyamory. That's what I meant when I said that to you earlier. And I was like, what is happening here? Like, are they really just going to all live at the end of this cul-de-sac? Yeah. Oh, but I don't know. Nick's the face looked a little confused. Nick's face, I, don't, I wasn't convinced in my mind that he thought this was going to all work out. And Nick doesn't generally look convinced of anything ever. That's, true. Oh, that's very true. Um. Yeah, but no, it is very interesting to see that Larry was trying to play both sides of the fence. Um, this is one arena that Larry is a compelling orator. He's obviously very intelligent. Um, he's talking, or, um, he's talking with, um, you know, how next will come political reforms. Point four of my four hundred point plan to save Gilead. <laughs> like he's obviously good at playing the long game. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's just never going to be as good at um, creating a propaganda machine as Fred is. You need the spin master here because Fred would be able to figure out a way to spin the notion of New Gilead or of uh, New Bethlehem and make it a shining positive and sell all the sides. And I hate to give that man any sort of credit, but we have talked before about how he is a propaganda master. Hmm. That is true. Could have been a real estate agent in another life. (laughs) (laughs) It would work, wouldn't it? it would I could work. absolutely picture Fred being a real estate agent. <laughs> I could too. It would work, um, but this is this is the only time that I've noticed so far 
a glaring absence in Gilead of Fred and how his skill set has come in handy in Gilead. Um, without Fred, they are sort of at a loss for how to create this image of themselves across the world. And Larry has brought it up several times mm -hmm. about how we need a message. We need a strong message. We need to, like, make ourselves look good. Basically, all the great shit that Serena was talking about earlier in the season. He's like, well, you're not going to get this done because, you know, vagina. But I'll right. just take this idea and run with it. <laughs> right. Seriously. And you can't run with it quite as well as Fred. And No. no. Or Serena. No. Or Serena, yeah. for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, though. They really are failing in this, like, whole optics thing. Mm -hmm. Because they've kind of, like, given up on caring. They're like, yeah. like, Putnam's at least... From what we've seen of it, there's, like, the Larry side, and then there was the Putnam side that's like, so what? Close the borders? Let it die? Won't be my generation? It's fine. <laughs> like, like, he literally didn't care. How very like, Republican of him. Yes, yeah, seriously. That's all I got for this scene. I really yeah, that scene was kind of, like, useless for me. It, it, if it wasn't there, I probably would have been okay. For me, the bulk of that scene was just confirmation that, you know, from what we saw before, it wasn't just a notion of, Rose hugging her belly or like uh, touching her belly as like a premonition of a baby. But no, there's there's, there's a new baby on the way. It's going to be a baby. Congratulations to the happy couple. And that and The thing I took away from it was like just that Nick was real like anxious about June's answer. Like he always just seems to be like, what's June doing? Is she coming? Really? You think she's going to come? And I'm just like, how many conversations have these two had leading up to this? I'm like, I've, I don't know. I'm just... I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> There's not enough to go off I think of. He just it. wants I couldn't to really know tell. how much more complicated his yeah. life is going to get. What, I like, it could what be. do and I need to brace like, for here? It's his kid too. Yeah, and he was touting the idea of him bringing Nicole back. Also, he's not mentioning Luke, and Luke's not mentioning Nick. So, like, right. I don't know. I don't know who's who's thinking what of the situation. And by the end of this episode, I'm not convinced anyone's making it to New Bethlehem. Anyway, mm, true. We'll see right. where this military raid is and who's affected by it. We will indeed see. But in the meantime, yeah, let's cut to Luke and Moira watching mm. this video again and again and again and again. So this is the scene that makes me think that mm. it might have been. I didn't want to say anything before because I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm just confused. Um, this is the scene that makes me think it might have been Lydia that sent the video oh. or at least there was shades of Lydia in it mm -hmm. um, because I mean, there's not a lot happening in the scene, so I'm just going to jump to the point. The only point I got out of it is that Moira figures out there's something encrypted on this thumb drive um, or on the package, right? And so it jumps out at me that it's testaments because that's the whole thing is that they're, they're spreading this information in a way that's not obvious. So you get it. If anyone were to recover it, it would just look like a thumb drive. And so fine, there's information on Hannah on there, but there's even more secret information if you know where to look. And so Moira figured out where to look. And then we see in the next scene that it actually gives out their location. So I'm trying to figure out if it was intentional or if it's just accidental <laughs> that the look like, I don't know enough about technology to figure out if someone put this information, but in testaments, um, they use micro dots. And I was trying to think like yeah. we had mentioned it before and said something like, oh, it's the same thing. And it's it's not the same thing, though. It's it's the beginning of it. Like eventually, I'm assuming this is too obvious. So you have to get more. You have to hide it within the propaganda. So they had these tiny little micro dots that was this like old technology that then people in Canada could then receive. But if it got put into the wrong hands, you didn't know who it was. So you didn't know, you didn't even know what you were holding. You know what I mean? It just looked like propaganda. But if you knew what it was, then you could like read it. That was a whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I thought this was really interesting that it's encrypted in a way that it does feel like it's this further level of secrecy. 
And so it made me just think that it's the shades of testaments. Um, but then it made me think that if it is true and it was purposely put there, that's not a Larry move. Larry doesn't want military action brought upon his country. That's not what he's trying to do right now. So I don't know. It just made me think a little bit of like, is it intentional? But I don't know enough about technology to like go on too much of a rabbit hole with it. But that's what made me just start to wonder if it was Lydia, but then I don't really know what Lydia's motivations would be to give it away. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Janine? I'm going to—for me, it wasn't even a, a speculation that Lydia would have sent it. Yeah. Because you hear a voice in the video with Hannah say, um, straight, li- straight lines, girls, yeah. I think. And it sounds like Lydia's voice. Oh, I thought— is that Vidalia? <laughs> I didn't oh, think it sounded like Lydia. I just oh, thought man. it sounded like uh, Lydia. But it did kind of sound onion. like Lydia now that I think about it. I just assumed it wasn't. Yeah. But it, it did sort of sound like Lydia. And then coupled with um, Moira being like, maybe there's metadata. And everyone's like, what? And she's like, I don't know. Maybe like a way to like figure out like something like that you can yeah, decrypt. Like the date, the location, like something like that. Yeah. She was speaking about it less like, well, we can definitely find this. And more like. I don't know how, none of us know how technology works. Let's get this to someone that mm. does know how technology works. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. As opposed to like being like, wait a second. Yeah. There's clues oh. here. Because mm. I thought the only reason it made me think it wasn't just like, I don't know how technology works is that Moira does. Mm-hmm. Moira does, but it wasn't like, it, th- there was a lot of something on here. Maybe the, maybe we can find this. And she was saying date okay. and location. Um, and with Larry, if Larry were to send that, Larry's an older guy. He's not really going to know about technology. I know technology well enough. Um, He's not a military strategist, nor is he a tech guy. So he might not even think that they can extrapolate that data from a from a DVD or a thumbnail drive. Okay, would be would be my guess. So. and then and to be clear, I just want to say that I did as I started down this rabbit hole. That's when I I never finished on like Lydia sent it because I'm like, well, why the fuck would Lydia send June anything? <laughs> True. Um, so then I was just thinking it's June Osborne. Like literally anyone could have sent her this. Right. Like, And so I'm just trying to figure out like who could have, you know, like, yes, Larry is the obvious choice. He says, let's wrestle it up. She asked for the proof of life. But then I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if this is Larry's best move. And so it just made me think. Who else could have possibly sent this or took it because it's very clearly like they're trying to get her to look at it, the camera a certain way. You know what I mean? Like it all just felt very orchestrated mm-hmm. and she stops for one second. She turned. I don't know. It's Nick. Could have been Nick. It could have been, been Nick. Nick. So. I think it was a collaboration. <laughs> what if it was Nick? He's like, the fuck you are coming over to no, New Bethlehem. Not, not Nick. I think it might have been. Um, I, I think maybe at the very least, Lydia could have been the one filming. Um, because there was, you know, as Hannah's walking and she does stop and like, look, because it's like she feels like she's being watched. And I just remember she was very, very aware of the like the the idea and presence of Aunt Lydia in the Testaments book. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if, you know, she like she felt that and that's why she looked and then was like, Ugh, like, oh, it's Lydia and then kept walking yeah. or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like that may have been like why she would have turned around. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe she took that info and Larry facilitated it out of the country. I don't know. I don't know. He could have been Nick. He didn't like uh, the idea of June moving into New Bethlehem. He's like, here, take your kid and stay over there. Or it was a guard because Nick's got, you know— Yeah, well, that's the thing. It does have all the the Nick eye guardness of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe, like, I'm going to— throw out an idea another like reason why it could potentially have been larry that sent the video Mm -hmm. um is because 
Larry understand like June's outburst of fuck you, mm-hmm. fuck you, all these women and children and everything else. And she's very clear about her motivations for potentially going back to New Bethlehem is to be closer to mm-hmm. Hannah. So if he can provide, if he can provide proof of life, that might be the way to convince the reluctant husband. Also, Larry, who has been trying for, or who had been trying while June was stationed with him to get her to learn how to be calmer, more pragmatic and control her emotions. Well, if you can't control your emotions, I'm going to use them to my advantage. I will dangle the carrot of your daughter in front of you and you're going to get emotional mm-hmm. and you are going to react and you are not going to be able to contain yourself and you're going to come to New Bethlehem. So true. And it works. Wow. As yeah. soon as it's in front of her, it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 You're right. That was the that was all the motivation she needs. Because, yeah. yeah, when I watch that and you see her right there and it's like, how could you not go at yeah. this point? I don't know. Just it, yeah, but it, but right. it could also. But like you said, though, this is June Osborne. We've heard her name so many times. Her, the package is labeled as June Osborne. It could have been anyone, mm. though there was no address on it. So it was hand delivered. Yeah. Yeah. So who would hand deliver something like that? What if it was Nick dressed up in, as an eye at the school that took the video and Hannah remembered him from back in the day when he brought her to the or when they were all at the McKenzie's together? I'm trying to remember. Did she ever see him? And that's why she was like, hey, that guy, like she pulls an yeah. Esther. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why do yeah. I know you? Because Nick turns up in the damnedest places. It's got to be someone that she recognizes, yeah. though. You're right, because she's obviously familiar with being around cameras and being video uh, videotaped. Look at Fred's funeral. She acts like a right. natural in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, so to be that displaced and that she falls out of line yeah. while being recorded, it implies that someone of import was recording it. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. speaking of sinister, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> Serena goes home, with air quotes, to the Wheeler's house to be with her baby. Mm-hmm. But first she has to apologize to the Wheelers who are very butthurt. Well, Alanis is very butthurt. Mr. Mi- yeah. Mr. Wheeler, you may speak. Yeah. Ugh. He doesn't care. Alanis is just perpetually miserable. Can't blame her. Her life pretty much sucks. I don't care how nice her house is. She chose it. Yeah. Um, but for somebody who is perpetually miserable with motherhood, who now has the actual mother in the house, she is still going to keep all of those duties of motherhood. I know. And Serena is going to be a glorified wet nurse to her own kid. How wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this will go just fine. Of course it will go wonderfully. <laughs> Serena could not ha- Serena did a great job of, you know, the blame is entirely on me. And then when Mrs. Wheeler was starting to get snappy, Serena, who, of course, understands the inner workings of Gilead better than anyone, shuts her down immediately with a praise be. Yeah, <laughs> she did do that really yep. well. Mm-hmm. She's she, praise be. She knows she how to no debase herself in yeah, front of her yeah, jailer. Yeah. She knows what's up. <laughs> also, she knows exactly how to put the kibosh on that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Mrs. Wheeler was starting to get a little bit hysterical and a bit emotional, <laughs> which is behavior unfitting of a, of a new mother. She needs mental toughness. She does need some mental fortitude. Oh, which Serena shows in this moment that she has that mental fortitude until she hears the baby crying. Well, I love that they had that conversation. The whole thing went down in front of that damn picture that we've been talking about so much because we talked about how it reminds us of Serena's mother and where she's come from. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like Alanis at this scene She's always kind of built it up. Like, yeah, has she chose it? Like, we don't know enough about her, but she seems like she's definitely on board. So 
she's chosen it to some extent, but mm-hmm. she's only chosen the idea of it, right? Like, she wasn't really in Gilead. She's just getting behind these ideals that are going to give her, like, a baby and some status, right? Mm-hmm. So now that she's actually learning what the wife's sacrifice is, because the wives do sacrifice. And so now she's got to have this woman in her house reminding her constantly that she's the source of life that Alanis is. Alanis isn't, sorry, I'm going to keep saying her name wrong constantly. Um, I kind of think it sounds nice, though. It does I, sound I just, nice. I hate the way it is. Yeah, it's just the way it sounds. I'm sorry. Alanis, Alanis sounds nicer than Alanis. Alanis. <laughs> um, Atlanta sounds the same. Okay, I can remember that. Um, but I think Alanis is just figuring out that it isn't all fun and games. It isn't going to be as joyous. And I'm assuming that Alanis came from a very similar family mm. than to to Serena's. And she's been told her whole life also that your only worth is to be a mother. So that's why she doubles down on it, as I still get to be the mother because it's the only way she's ever going to feel important. I'm sure it's the mm. same thing. You know, we're just seeing cycle after cycle, and it's like break the chain, ladies. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. I got it. Shoot, we run past each other and then we wait. It's very fun watching. Because we all do it to each other. We really do. You guys talk past each other. Me and you talk past each other. I talk past everybody. Yeah, I do that too. Real I talk fun. past myself. I start my sentence. And then I'm like, no, nope, nope, start over. I disagree. Let Strike me try that. that again. Strike that reverse. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I've convinced myself of a new side by the time I finish talking. <laughs> So because Serena did what she was supposed to do and offered all the placations and put all the blame and the impetus for the incident on herself, um, she's afforded the opportunity to be reunited with Noah. And she mm-hmm. sprints up those stairs. So sweet. Oh, I, I actually stairs. wrote that. She sprints up those stairs when she hears the baby crying. Mm-hmm. All those stairs. All, all those stairs. stairs. I feel like they should have stuck with the stairs a little longer because we were talking about how it's got to take her like fucking 10 years to get down from her like attic space yes. they're keeping her in. You know, as a pregnant person so I want to see her sprint up like the same 10 flights of stairs to that baby. Mm-hmm. She would have been dying by the time she was up there. Absolutely. <laughs> it, she would have taken the pause outside of the door not to ask permission if she can go inside but because she needed to catch her breath. She yeah. had a cramp. <laughs> um, was this the same room that the birthing unit was in? I was thinking so. It, it d- it only occurred to me know. just now as you talked about her being outside the door and I was like picturing the lock. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it does yeah. feel exactly like the birthing suite, yeah. suite and that would make sense. Yeah. Birthing suite out, nursery in. Makes sense. I mean, I, the paint color is what uh, what harkened oh, okay. it to me, but I didn't hmm. pause enough to really look back at it. But in any event, the nurse... The nurse that was in there, to her credit, says, he's been waiting for you. That's so that was sweet. really sweet. I love that so much. I know. That was really great. That was it, She's so sweet. She finally gets her, like, nice moment. Like, mm-hmm. we've, yeah. we've joked so many times that, like, Serena's never going to have any nice moment throughout this pregnancy that she's wanted for so long. But, like, this reuniting with her son was really, really sweet. Yeah. And beautiful. And it's just it like, you know, the sun pouring in. And she looks, when she looks happy, she does look so childlike. I know you said it in the past. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. she just has this, like, just so sweet to see them, like, looking at each other. His face, her face. I loved it. Still, yeah. Maybe this baby will motivate her to actually do some useful fucking work helping people. Maybe. 
her nursing that baby. That was cool. Because do you remember when she tried to nurse? To uh, nurse Nicole, and it mm-hmm. was like wrong in all the ways because, yeah. yes. you know, it was Serena and it was wrong, and she was trying yeah. to make herself feel better, <laughs> and she wasn't making anyone feel better. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so that she, I was happy that she got to have that connection in that yeah. moment with this child finally. Yeah. And that, um, that his, uh, because um, in the barn in the previous, our previous episode, June had asked how his latch was, mm-hmm. and she said, and Serena mm-hmm. said, it's strong. So it's yeah. nice knowing that even with being removed from each other for a month, that a month, or for a month, that his latch is still strong. That's true. I'm calling bullshit on that baby having a latch at all. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm thinking. That like, has, my baby didn't have a no, latch No, that is like one of the first, I mean, yeah, not every baby is different, but yeah. that is like yeah. one of the first things that they tell you that like, if you are out of the gates, if you're breastfeeding, like you don't offer bottles, you don't offer nipples and stuff like that because, you know, you're trying to get that shit established, but that baby has been without her for like a whole ass month and yeah. I, I'm just like not hopeful that Doesn't he's gonna be like oh, no. I remember this boob no. right. and then like latches on unless they have a wet nurse in there no yeah right. which they could they could have yeah mm-hmm. totally if they had a wet nurse though why would they need to go to the detention facility to get her milk oh true oh okay. yeah never then mind scratch that okay <laughs> <And> <laughs> I don't like, like, no I'm, that's perfect sense yeah that's, that's the answer <laughs> good point I knew something about babies yay, yay! <laughs> In all honesty, the question was more of confusion of like, wait, do wet nurses not produce enough milk to provide? Is that like a, is that a thing? Uh, Yeah, sure. Anybody who's producing milk might not be enough. So, okay. Be better wet nurse. It's your one job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. kidding. Wet nurse that doesn't exist. Uh, Shall we go back to the Osborne house? I mean, if we're, if, if Noah's having dinner time, then let's, uh, let's cut to everyone else having dinner too. That's an awkward dinner. Yeah. People don't really like each other at this dinner very much, yeah. I don't think. But thank God for that phone call. Uh, it's Luke an- Luke answers. Rita is checking in. They haven't heard anything from Twello. And June's like, well, you know, I'm I'm eating dinner. It's time to get apples. Yeah. Apples. Gotta <laughs> get, one gotta get apples. Because, uh, you know, baby needs the apples, so I'm going to get the apples. Yeah. This felt very much like a, all right, I'm going to go run out for cigarettes real fast. Yeah. I'm going to get those cigarettes <laughs> and, uh, you know, just uh, just stay here. I'll be back for, uh, I'll be back for you know, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Wasn't that the same thing? I can't remember, and I didn't have time to go back and look. Um, but did Moira say the same thing to her when June first came to Canada? And Moira kept, like, trying to give them, like, Luke and June, like, time. And I think Moira was trying to leave with mm. the kid. She was like, oh, we're going to go, like, oh, get okay. apples. I think she needs some apples oh, for yeah. tomorrow. And then June's like, can I come with you? And she's like, no, it'll be boring. And then she's like, no, 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 that sounds great. And she ends up going. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean, I wanted to go back and see if it's actually apples, but it's the same vibe. And so yeah. it's kind of funny to see it like flipped on its head here. Um, I also love the apples because it's going to bring her into the grocery store. And it's just such a cool moment because we've just seen so much of her standing in front of apples in a grocery store. Yes. So to get this like uh-huh. earth shattering news was really really cool so Mm -hmm. if nothing else i just like that she needed to go get apples for that reason but yeah it definitely felt like i gotta go buy apples that's why you stay keep eating (laughs) (laughs) it's a season three parallel yeah so june gets this phone call and this is crazy we don't hear all of it but the general gist is that they found her they found her wife's school they know where she is lots of moving parts blah 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 but whatever else he said, it made June functionally useless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like when Emily, uh, when Sylvia got the news for the call from Emily and she stopped traffic in the middle, yeah. like all of a sudden nothing else matters. In yes. that moment, your world just stopped and nothing else is going on but mm-hmm. that. It's so cool. I love yep. It. 
Yeah, it really is. It, it's such a lovely moment, like just fiddling with the apples and she soaks it and she hugs the store clerk <laughs> yep. like, and walks out and the Cure's song, Just Like Heaven, starts playing. And June like picks up her steps and she starts running joyfully, um, which reminded me of season one. We haven't yeah. seen her go for a I jog. I thinking that too. Um, yeah. It's like, whoa. And like the coloring oh, is a similar. Yes. Um, and she's, I, I, I'm amazed and thrilled that she went home. Uh, I kind of expected her to like start running for the border, <laughs> or like, or run to twelve, like, or run to like the American embassy yeah. to like talk with twelve. But like, but fair, what do you fair. do with that energy? Lord, <laughs> you run home. That is fantastic. And you grab Luke by the face and you say, "Mark called. They found her. They're gonna do a raid. They're gonna go get her." And everyone is just overwhelmed with this joy because finally, mm-hmm. some action. Yeah. Yep. This news was the cure for all that ailed you. Hey! Wow. <laughs> uh. And they're all shouting, or they're all like, you know, jumping up and down. I fucking love Mark Twello. Oh. I, I do, do we? For the first time ever. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> Mark's like, I did something right. That's so funny. <laughs> but there's no way, there's no way they're going to leave us to feel happy no, about this. We all know it's going to be friggin' like, terrible. The, I don't even, I'm kind of terrified bad. of what 9 and 10 are going to bring us of now. Course. I know, I know. We've got things like raids. Mm-hmm. We've got Hannah potentially mm-hmm. getting married. I mean, Oof. I can't. I don't know what they're going to do in the next two episodes, but I'm pretty pretty sure that it's going to thoroughly mindfuck us. Yeah. Almost certainly. I expect it. I'm excited. Before we get into those predictions, uh-huh. I got to do the music thing. Yeah. Um. So it, the song Just Like Heaven is by the band The Cure. Mm-hmm. Um, very familiar lick. Um, the song was originally written um, about a trip that um, Robert Smith took with his then girlfriend, but soon, uh, but the, um, the woman who became his wife. Uh, his wife. Um, some of it doesn't matter, but the chorus for me is what really matters here. You soft and only, you lost and lonely, you strange as angels dancing in the deepest oceans, twisting in the water, you're just like a dream. Mm-hmm. And immediately my brain goes to the aquarium. Yes. Yeah. And those aquarium sequences yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, there's another line that says, I opened up my eyes and found myself alone, alone, alone above a raging sea that stole the only girl I loved and drowned her deep inside of me. Oh, damn. Oh, boy. <laughs> so the song is upbeat and like, mention, like it's like, it's like super fun and happy. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And then you hear the lyrics. And you're like, well, fuck, that is uh, that is a little bit darker. It's the cure. We expect this yes. of the cure. And Robert yeah. Smith, one of the most depressing lyricists of the 80s. Um, but, yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some dark imagery that harkens back to all of those flashbacks that we get of Hannah throughout this. And um, and, yeah, how June feels about Hannah at this moment. I really enjoyed the final scene of this with Hannah gardening. Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved that because it's a it's a mirror mm-hmm. of June gardening earlier in the episode. Yeah. And she just looks so happy and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And she looks up at the sky, the same sky that June is probably looking up at. Yeah. And it was just a nice way that, to connect those two I things. I really like that imagery, too. And mm-hmm. It did look very similar. Like, even, like, the garden box was very similar. I'm yeah. like, do all garden boxes look like that? At least it felt like that. Don't quote me on that. But it just, the it felt very, very similar. And it, it was beautiful um, and nice because it kind of just like, okay, they're so close. It's that, it's that same imagery that we were talking about at the beginning of like the birds and the water just kind of inherently makes it feel like they're just so close because we remind, remember her coming over too. 
And that was just kind of the same thing in reverse at the end. Mm -hmm. So I like that part of it. I also really like that she got to... um, she didn't have to restrain herself when she got that news. The apples are rolling. Yes. She goes running. She's just running down the street. No one cares. She goes home. There's this big celebration because it reminded me a little bit of when um, she got the news that Nicole had made it safely to Canada mm-hmm. and she couldn't react. She had to sit there and continue to take her punishment and scrub the floors. And then she had to like wait and wait and wait for a moment where she could finally just like go look. She went and looked at the sun, like looked up at the sky, let the sun hit her face. I want mm-hmm. to say what happened. So kind of cool with that imagery at the end too. Um, but yeah, it was just really nice that she could just go and run without having to like be in the claws of Gilead. But yet she's going back. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that you two also kind of felt like that doom and gloom of there's no we we're not allowed to have anything nice on the show. Not at episode eight. Yeah, (laughs) we're allowed to have like nice little bits of banter and funny comedic like funny reprieves for just a brief moment and like the do you have an irony deficiency? We (laughs) thank you for all of those, but there's no way that any of this is going to end well. I know, (sighs) boy. I know. We talked about all the implications of a military raid and what this could mean for, I mean, if they're going to raid the school where the child is. Like, how are we thinking this through? And we've seen America do this before. So it's just good. It makes me like there definitely is a lot of parallels between this like Canadian and American government versus like, you know, what we presently live in. Mm -hmm. And so we know the history of this country and military raids. So I don't know. I'm not feeling great about it. We'll see. Yeah. Not feeling great about it either. I feel that safe. I'm scared. There's so many places to, to go. go. It could so go many places. I am um, 100% sure the next episode is going to be a friggin' doozy. It's going to leave us psychologically scarred. Looking forward to it, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I really what I wanted? To, I definitely like showed my hand a little bit. I'll tell you what I did. <laughs> I was thinking about like, oh, damn, like who would die? Do you know who I thought would die? I was like, I was like kind of okay with it for a second. I was like, well, that'll make the things easier. Yeah. Rose. I was like, oh, oh. bye. Nick was, <laughs> I know, I'm like, oh, I totally <laughs> am too, Nick. I can't even, like, because <laughs> oh. I'm like, damn, we're never going to see that pregnancy come to fruition. But that was just my first thought. But I was, like, slightly fine with it. Huh. I was like, that'll make things easier for June and Nick. <laughs> I wonder if somehow they'll do, they'll try to do, like, a, you know, because we always thought that, like, Larry was going to be like our Judd substitute. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if some of the things that happened with Judd, they would farm out to Nick's character yeah. because we know that yeah. Judd had, you know, a bunch of wives. We know, I think, a couple of them died mm-hmm. in childbirth. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that so too. I just wonder. Yeah, I wonder about that too. I don't know. Yeah. Farming that out to Nick does seem like it could potentially happen. Not in the same way where he's like, I don't know. Like, yeah. There's a lot to get into. That's, no, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other episode. Thing. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll get into that because yeah. I have thoughts, but, but it's not a, I mean, in this episode. It's an you option. Did men- exactly. You did mention that, like, uh, Judd is supposedly the commander of the Oz. Yeah. So, huh. Could be there. I don't could know. That's all I got. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's all I got, I got now, too. I mean, I'm very excited for the penultimate episode yeah. to see... Who lives? Who dies? <laughs> who gets blown up to smithereens? I, it's going to be so good. <sighs> I got nothing I'm else. I'm I got nothing else for this episode. Other All right. Than I'm ready for the next one. We're so ready for the next one. Yeah, I got nothing else either. All right. Well, I guess with that, we're going to peace out. Remember, midterms are two weeks away. Go get out there and do what needs to be done because we're fucked. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just please, please, for the love of God. Yeah. I think we started this podcast on the premise that 
Um, the Handmaid's Tale was not supposed to be a field guide for the uh, <laughs> for the alt right, and yet here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So, get out. Phone bank. Call. Vote. 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 Compel your neighbors to vote. Turnout in midterm elections is always lower by a significant margin, and right now, um, uh, right now, exit uh, exit polls and uh, or, I'm sorry, not exit polls. Absentee ballot polls are showing over 5.5 to 6 million Americans have already placed their votes, uh, which puts us on track for um, probably the most votes in a midterm election ever. That's really? Excellent. I yes. did not think you were going to tell me good that news at excellent. the end of that. I thought that was going to okay. be really bad. Yeah. Yay, that's great. That's okay. great, but that means that everyone's voting. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, that's a start. It yes. is. But Which... let the election of 2020 be a, le- a lesson that every single vote mm-hmm. counts. So if you do not want to be living in um, in a post-Roe v. Wade world with a Republican-controlled Congress and Senate, you know what you have to do. Love us. Hate us. Either way, let us know. We appreciate feedback from Intels and Incels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can just shoot us an email at redresistancepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to give special thanks to Mr. Scarlett for making our podcast sound amazing. Without him, we'd be all fuzz and echoes. We'd also like to give a shout out to Peter Levesque of Heliovox for providing us with our badass intro and outro music. Thank you for listening, and try not to let the bastards grind you down.